successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello everybody and welcome to the Grill Nation Show with Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on KMBC 980 AM or on podcasts. We're on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You name it, we're all over the podcast world. Also appreciate you if you're joining us on the website, realnationshow.com, Twitter, LinkedIn, or on my Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, for what will be an incredible Grill Nation show. I hope you all had a great holiday weekend and are excited about fall season. We are here at Grill Nation, one, because it means football, and uh, obviously college football started in NFL football. Uh, so this is perfect timing for our guest today, uh, who is joining us, uh, Tom Wagoneer, who is a renowned sports architect. He now has his own consulting firm. We're going to go through his background and history on today's show. Um, Tom, welcome to the show. How are you today, sir? I'm good, Jason. Thanks for having me. We met at the Tiger Club of Kansas City's golf tournament. Uh, I guess it was in August. Yes, it was in August, uh, with, uh, with a, with a great friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, and had just an incredible day. And we connected and we started talking about all of the, just the amazing things you've done in your career uh, in the sport architecture world. And I just, I, I just, I'm captivated by it. So um, just thought it'd be a great time to have you on. Tell us about yourself. Uh, let's get to know you a little bit. I know you have kind of a very rich history throughout uh, the, the profession. Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me. I, uh, I've been out of school, uh, Kansas State University graduate, 1982, so coming up on a 40-year anniversary of being uh, out of college as an architect. Worked here in town. Um, first six years of my career, I worked for a couple of firms that were practicing general architecture. Um, and then in 1988, had the opportunity to leave a great job that I had that I enjoyed, but uh, and sort of get into sports architecture. But leading up to that, um, one of the things you and I talked about when we met was I was with a fairly small firm here in town at the time, Gaston and Reese Walker Architects. And during my four-year stint there, I uh, had this unique opportunity, my wife and I, uh, to actually move to and live in Jamaica for 18 months. I was the uh, uh, on-site architect and, and uh, oddly enough, the general contractor to renovate uh, at what was at the time an abandoned hotel, but it, it had originally been the uh, Jamaica Playboy Club, and it had been damaged by a hurricane. And so I went down at, at the fresh age of 27 and uh, worked down there for 18 months. It was an incredible experience. It was longer than, than I thought it would be, but it really, I think, opened up my, my mind to uh, more adventurous things in my career, which soon thereafter I, I got into sports architecture. Mm-hmm. So was that in Kansas City then? I know you were a K-State grad. Yes, it was in Kansas City. Um, and soon after I came back, um, you know, sort of feeling uh, a little bit trapped inside an office, you know, an eight to five office in a sense, um, 
the Kansas City uh, sports architecture scene was starting to evolve. Uh, it had sort of been launched back in the late 60s unknowingly in some way. But um, a, a third firm was emerging here in town. Uh, that was Ellerby Beckett, uh, which was a big firm in Minneapolis. They are now called AECOM. But at the time in 1988, there were two big sports firms here in Kansas City. One, of course, was HNTB, which had been involved under a different name, with the Truman Sports Complex, which is sort of over my shoulder here. And then there was HOK Sport, which had really exploded. I, I, I have scene. to note, Tom, that your awesome picture behind you, if you're watching on the live stream today, yeah. um, does have the rolling roof, which is, yes. a, uh, after going to the Seattle Mariners Stadium, uh, I guess two weeks ago, uh, and seeing that thing go over the top in about less than five minutes, Yes, uh, wish we had that in Kansas City right now. <laughs> well, you know, it's it was a great visionary idea then, again, probably 1967, 1968. And uh, looking back, that uh, it would have been one of the first of its kind, actually in the world, had it actually occurred. But cost prevented that from happening now uh, 50 years on. Yeah, very much so. So you were talking about your, your start and then, uh, you know, kind of you became the principal of 360 Architecture uh, in, in early 2000s, correct? Yes, Yes, that was after uh, a 12-year stint working at LRB Beckett, which was a great experience, having a small firm of my own for about 10 or 12 weeks, joining a small firm here in town, and then eventually merging with another small firm here in town, Heinlein Schrock Stearns, to create uh, 360 Architecture in 2004. Mm -hmm. So you did that, and then, uh, I mean, it's crazy to me just to think about all the different uh, – Sports architects that have come out of Kansas City. I know. Then, as we go through the rest of your background in this first segment, you uh, you you uh, went to a place called HOK, correct? Well, eventually we sold our firm to HOK. But okay. the attraction for me in two in 1988 of leaving a firm that I'd worked for was was probably less about sports, but it was more about the opportunity was dangled in front of me. Uh, come to work at our firm again, Ellerby Beckett. Uh, and you can work on the renovation of Madison Square Garden, which was incredibly appealing to me to to be able to have the opportunity to do that. I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into, but it turned out to be a three year uh, nonstop almost every week in New York City, which was incredibly uh, healthy for me to experience that that place and that city and, and have it be a sports project. And in a sense, from from that point on, uh, I never left this part of the part of the business. What was that like? You know, just, just how old were you when you did that? I was uh, 29 when I decided to go and do that. And it, you know, I think a lot of architects, uh, maybe, maybe more so in the Midwest, I don't know so much now, but I think there's always a, a desire to do something sort of outside the lines of what you're used to. And, you know, having grown up in Wichita and gone to school at K-State and the, and the project in Jamaica opened my eyes to a whole new world. And I had actually, uh, while in college, uh, spent eight months out in Connecticut on a formal internship through Kansas State. And that gave me a chance to live in a different part of the country. That was a very exciting with so many big cities nearby that I could go see and explore on weekends. And New York was certainly one that uh, opened a lot of doors for me in terms of, you know, stepping sort of off the sidelines and onto the field in some way for for me as a as a young architect and growing in the profession and in life. What was the reaction? And we got about a minute left. We're going to talk all about the Tom's experience, some of the projects he's worked on, why sports architecture, the book that he's writing, and will be coming out very soon about this industry and kind of how Kansas City is a, a you know leader in it. 
um, and, and kind of the background and why. Um, what was that experience like when you came from Kansas City to New York what, when you're working on Madison Square Garden? What was the, what were, what was the general reception at that time in Kansas City? Well, you know, it was Kansas City already had a reputation at that point of being a hub for sports architecture. And so we we came into town with, you know, some experience and some uh, certainly some background in the business. And for me, I think more than anything, it was you really needed to apply common sense. And I sort of grown that uh, ability in Jamaica because there were no rules working in Jamaica in a lot of ways. And it's sort of day to day. And even as sophisticated as a city as New York is, you really got to fall back on common sense and your ability to, you know, you know, shuck and jive along the way to to, to deal with the things that are thrown at you. Mm-hmm. I've walked by Madison Square Garden probably about 30 times when I've been in New York City, you know, probably 10 times at this point. I've never been in it. I've been in like the, the walkways and the sure. and all that, but I've not been to a sporting event. So now I, now I have to go now that yeah. you worked on it. <laughs> Tom Wagoneer is our guest. Going to have a great show today. Thank you for listening to the a Grill Nation show. We will be right back after the break. to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. Thank you for listening today or watching us. If you're joining us on the radio, on podcast, or on live stream, uh, you connect with me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Also, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Jason Grill. Thank you again for connecting with me, uh, whether it's through the Grill Nation show or on a you know, consulting project or uh, whatever I do, uh, as well as this show, uh, I guess you would say, as far as media relations, government affairs, and on consulting work. Tom Wagoneer is our guest. Tom is the uh, he's the owner of uh, a consulting firm now, uh, his own, but has a very rich history in sports architecture, has worked at the who's who of sports architecture firm. He's had his own sports architecture firm throughout the years, and he uh, is a great, great story. Um Let's start with, uh, Tom, let's start with kind of the why. So what drew you to this industry and kind of why did you kind of stay engaged in it for all of these years? So the funny part about, you know, my attraction to work in New York and and certainly, as we talked about earlier, and particularly working on Madison Square Garden, growing up in Wichita, Kansas, for some reason, and I don't know why, other than as a young kid, I went to New York on a family trip. I was a New York Knicks fan. And so I was always fascinated every Sunday afternoon. It seems like after returning home from church, there was the Knicks were on against the Celtics, it seems like. And I, and I sort of became a, a New York Knicks fan. And so the idea of eventually going to see Madison Square Garden, which I'd never been in, was always, you know, sort of a dream as a young kid. And then when the idea of combining my, at the time, uh, evolving and uh, profession as an architect um, to actually go there and work on a building that I dreamt about, I can still remember walking in there the first time and, you know, into the seating bowl from one of the portals. It's like, wow, I'm actually here and I'm working on this building. So that was, you know, that was a, a real eye-opening experience for me and, and both personal and, and professional. And I think um, soon thereafter, uh, at my next project that followed that for the most part, after three years of working on Madison Square Garden, um, the firm I was working with, Ellery Beckett, was for the most part handed 
the renovation of Notre Dame football stadium. And I was redirected by my boss at the time to, I think I was working on the Philadelphia 76ers arena at that point uh, as a technical architect. My boss called me in one day and said, you know, you're going to South Bend, Indiana tomorrow to work on, you know, a study to, you know, expand Notre Dame's football stadium. And once that occurred, which was a five-year project for me, it, it was a, it was like the golden key in some ways to opening doors uh, for college sports and especially football. Uh, and it was just an attraction. I just couldn't pull myself away from it was incredibly exciting. Uh, and it just kept going and going. And it's it's still for me, it's been the last almost 30 years just in college sports. Wow. So the Notre Dame, that, when did that stadium renovation? I, was that on the expansion or did you do something else with that? No, it was the ex- expansion. Um, so I started working on that as a, as part of a team at Ellerby Beckett in 1991. And it was to test the waters of just renovating the building. This was the idea of the administration at Notre Dame, the athletic department. Uh, the following year, they actually used that as a way to actually make the project an expansion. Little did we know as architects, but just renovating the building was nearly $25 million in, in the early 90s. They used that as a, as a jumping off point then to sell the administration and the alumni on actually expand, expanding the stadium uh, and creating a, a revenue stream by adding 20,000 seats and a press box and only had a handful of uh, suites, actually. So that was a $50 million project. Mm-hmm. And that project went from pretty much 1992 until it, it, it opened. It was never fully closed in 1997. What's interesting, about 10 years ago, they actually expanded it again to the tune of $400 million. The first expansion was about $55 million. And in, in that expansion, which was performed by, uh, at the time, my firm, 360 Architecture slash HOK, I was not involved in this in this next renovation, but the firm was. Uh, expansion is what it was, and it added a whole uh, cadre of different types of premium seating as well as classroom space and their student rec center. It's a massive project um, in which they totally changed the outside of the stadium and created yeah. uh, premium seats. Yeah, I've been there many, uh, you know, not many times. Visited two yeah. times last time was for Michigan Notre Dame. Yeah, I think it was opening weekend. Yeah. Great, great campus. Just a lifelong dream of mine uh, to go to college there, or law school. I didn't do it, but uh, uh, but maybe I'll have a child one day. They can go to Notre Dame. Yeah, right. uh, that'd be nice. Um, yeah. uh, Tom Wagoneer is with us. So that was your big break, essentially. It was college sports. It really was. And during that time um, of that of the of putting the design together and eventually waiting for the construction to finish, I also developed uh, almost by chance, a relationship that is alive and well today after almost 27 years. And that's with the University of Missouri Athletic Department. Uh, and that, that occurred in uh, 1995 when uh, one of my partners and I at LRB Beckett went over and interviewed for a stadium renovation at Memorial Stadium. And uh, that has snowballed into a literally 25-year-plus relationship of now, I think, five athletic directors in which I've only had one five-month break in that 26 years and uh, they've been it's 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 an incredible story for me in my career to to be working just down the road at a school that I didn't go to it does not have an architecture program but um, I've had such a rich history of of one school and it's really uh, University of Missouri that's a good good point there so Tom so what sports architecture architecture you know not every college has that program which you think 
it, but is it is it you think it's 50 percent of like the major colleges and the oh, power it's probably 50 percent plus, plus. Uh, and what's interesting when okay. when when I've worked around the country at colleges as well as any other sports architect here in town regardless of where they you know call home in terms of the firm they work for uh, those schools pretty much expect you to you know team with a local architect who probably went to school there who probably is at the country club has tickets is a supporter and knows knows the lay of the land and that's for me personally uh, that's been a, a rich uh, experience too is, is working and becoming ingrained with a local architect uh, who knows a lot about the institution they're probably from that area a good example is uh, I've worked for 10 or 12 years, uh, or I did with Auburn University, befriended an architect who went there, played football there. He's a few years younger than me. We've become good friends. He played with Bo Jackson. He was a walk-on center, and uh, he's got a great story. And we've teamed together, and I've learned a lot about his, his world, his environment, which is, you know, his whole career and his, you know, uh, upbringing was in Alabama. And it's, it was really a, a, a fun experience to get to know his world and see it through his eyes, uh, but also team up as architects. Mm-hmm. Tom Wagoneer is with us. You're the owner at um, your own design and consulting firm now, but have a served many years, oh, close to 30 years in the sports architect. You mentioned growing your sports architecture practice in Auburn and Mizzou. And is that just a reputational thing? Or are you, are you going to conferences during all these times? Are you networking with, you know, outreach to universities? Is there RFPs? How, how did you yeah. really kind of grow it and become such yeah. a uh, renowned person in the industry? Well, it's, it's probably similar to a lot of folks that are, would be considered my competitors through the years. And that is, you know, do a good job and they'll invite you back. Uh, also, be willing to earn your stripes, uh, whether it's doing a master plan or re-roofing a building. I've always said that, you know, uh, you can't come in and expect to be one of the starting five, in a sense. you got to sort of join the team, uh, practice, and, and earn your way onto that starting uh, onto the court or, or on the field. And, and the other thing is that it, wasn't, it was never really planned, but as I look back over you know, almost 34 years in sports, and, and most of it college sports. I've just followed, uh, and again, I'm not unique, I don't think, in this regard. One of the people I worked with on projects in athletic departments were the number three or four person, maybe five person. Well, then they changed jobs, and I would follow them, uh, whether they became the athletic director or moved up a slot or two. Um, and and that just propagated for my for me and, and, and others. And there's, you know, I have a few clients that I've literally had for 30 years at four or five different schools. They're, they become good friends. We've watched our kids grow up. We actually get together socially. We travel together. Uh, and when I go to their houses or work on their projects, I usually stay at their house. We become become that good of friends. So that's wow. that's been a real a real a fun experience is to really see their world and the, and the things they do through their eyes. Speaking of... Uh being engaged or staying in a house, you spent time on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> Tell us about that experience and what, why you did that. Yeah. So about 20 some years ago, um, one of my former partners who now is an executive with Jay Dunn Construction, a man named Randy Bradar, and one, and the current design principal at HOK, Bill Johnson, the, um, the three of us pursued a renovation of the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium out in Annapolis, Maryland. We had sort of been tipped off that it, it was going to happen. And so um, we went out to meet with these these folks and eventually ended up in an interview and, and won this job uh, to renovate the stadium. And 
our winning idea in the when we interviewed was to it was crazy and i remember the drawings like it was yesterday was to literally cut off the front of a battleship and stick it in the end zone so it protruded out into almost the back of the end zone and it could be used as premium seating and these uh not only civilian folks within athletics uh naval academy athletic association it's actually called as well as some of the military folks just it just made their head spin they couldn't believe we had this wacky idea and jack lingle uh was the athletic director of time and he said these are the guys i want to hire and so uh part of the training jack wanted us to go through was to send two of us out onto an active aircraft carrier off the coast of virginia uh, we flew out two of us flew out randy brader and i flew out landed on the tail hook and spent two days on the theodore roosevelt and it was an unbelievable experience of doing that uh, to see everything sort of behind the scenes, up and down through the uh, innards of the ship, and to be around, you know, 5,500 sailors whose average age was maybe 22 years old. This was right before 9-11. It was June of 2001. And it was a government program that was, we weren't, well, we were special because Jack got us out there within about 45 days because he was the athletic director. But yeah, we spent two days out there and it's it's just about as cool as anything I've ever been able to do. Very cool. Tom Wagoneer is with us. We'll be right back with more of the Grill Nation show after the break. Thank you for joining us today and uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back. everybody and welcome back to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us today. As always, you can listen to all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, KMBZ 980 AM. We're also on YouTube at Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. Uh, great show so far today with Tom Wagoneer. Tom is the uh, very established, renowned sports architect who actually lives here in Kansas City in the region. Uh, has worked on, uh, you know, multitudes of projects, both in college athletics and in pro sports. Uh, Tom, you talked about Mizzou uh, and how you got engaged with Mizzou. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that because you said you've been with five athletic directors at this point. Yeah. What What do you think about, I mean, obviously you're very proud of what's happened because you worked on it, but uh, going forward and now, like, wh- where is Mizzou at with its athletic facilities? Well, yeah, I just actually uh, had a conversation with Tim Hickman this morning, who's the senior associate athletic director. And he and I are preparing to um, provide an overview for their new athletic director here in a few weeks about the history of the facilities. And one of the things he and I talked about is um, is this are the sports that are in really good shape and the ones that aren't. And it's it's fairly typical, I think, on most college campuses, and especially working in as many of us in Kansas City do, working on in these Power Five conferences. Football and basketball are in great shape. Um, I was just involved working with HOK as a consultant. Um, we're in the process of finishing up new locker rooms at Mizzou Arena. Well, that building opened in two thousand four. Uh, it really hadn't been touched. It, it was in great shape when it was built. Jay Dunn built the building, and uh, we actually just did a major renovation where we actually flipped the men's and women's locker rooms, oddly enough, demo, demoed both of them and rebuilt them. And they're literally, you know, putting the finishing touches on this week. But those sports, as well as football and maybe especially football, are in really good shape. 
Uh, softball's in good shape over there. Baseball, I think, has some challenges. Tennis, uh, track and field. The facilities are, are really good, but when you com- when you size them up against the SEC or even the Big Twelve that they left, you know, ten plus years ago, the arms race has been so unbelievable. Not only from a um, from a fan standpoint, but a recruiting standpoint, that the training facilities, the academic components, all those sort of things, and each each leader that comes in, and I can probably reflect most most on Mizzou, uh, because when I started there in 1995 with Joe Castiglione as the athletic director, he had just completed working with HOK Sport, now Populous, um, their first master plan for athletics, and right away started to execute these projects, starting with football. And eventually, uh, gosh, 19, it took 10 years to get a new arena, but a new arena is not an easy project to pull off for a lot of reasons. But there are certainly areas that need some, uh, some um, sort of foundations put on them at Mizzou. But Mike Alden, you know, as soon as they joined the SEC, uh, we executed six projects, which included golf and tennis and certainly, you know, basketball and football, but started right away really improving uh, and by the time Mike left, I think every sport had been touched. Well, uh, now it's time to refresh those, and it's it's time to up the game, especially in the SEC. And um, like I said, it's not only the competition, but it's it's being able to recruit the best student athletes and coaches and administrators. And you know, Mizzou's you know starting anew in a lot of ways, and it's really exciting to see what's going to occur over there. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Yeah. Too. Um, you know, you mentioned you worked at Auburn. I'm, I'm, I've never been down there, but I'm assuming they have yeah. good facilities for football. Um. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they do. And But, what you know, what is interesting is I was working on a uh, recruiting facility for Jay Jacobs before Jay uh, sort of left and went to uh, Florida uh, as in a number two. Um, you know, we were also in my office, we were working on a similar recruiting facility for uh, Georgia. And I called Jay one day and I said, look, Jay, I need to be honest with you. There's going to be an announcement tomorrow that um, Georgia is announcing a South, uh, an end zone project to their own. And, and he said, I appreciate hearing that. And I think he probably already knew, uh, but I wanted him to have a heads up. And he said, just, just, just tell me ours is going to be better. And I said, you know what? I know ours is going to be better. So I leaned, after I hung up, I went down the hall to my partner. I said, how much, what's your budget? He said, 60 million. And I said, oh my God, ours is 28. But we have to make do with what you have to, you know, you have. And so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's. You've seen a lot, man. Tom, Tom, you have seen a lot. I'm, I'm envious of you seeing all these places. man. <laughs> I can't wait to just, I mean, I could talk to you for years about this stuff. But yeah. I want to get to, I want to get to your book. Tell us about your book and that you've been working on writing. Cause I know it's been a, a, a labor of love and really working hard on this. Uh, yeah. In addition to all your consulting work you do, what, what's it all about and, and when can we read it? Yeah. So I, I hope to have it uh, out uh, by 1st of November. I'm working with a local editor, uh, David Smell, who's been involved in a 20 plus books. Many are about sports. But I really um, had this passion to write a book ever since I was in college, oddly enough. And here I am 40 years out and it's, it's going to happen. When I started my career uh, out of college, I was working at HNTB. And at the time, the sports architects, there were sports architects there. Uh, who eventually left while I was there and started HOK Sport in 1983. I happened to be working with that group on a convention center project, which fell into sort of the sports group hands uh, based on how the firm was put together. But I never really had a desire to run off and get involved in sports. But 
as I started to look back about five years ago, what I realized was there was there, there didn't seem to be and, I, and having dozens of clients uh, ask, why Kansas City? Why Kansas City? Why are all you sports architects? And everybody in this business that's in Kansas City gets this question from people on airplanes or their neighbors or whatever. So I started looking five years ago and I realized there's bits and pieces about this story, but there wasn't like a, that I could find a complete story. So I said, I'm going to commit myself to this. I actually went to working four days a week uh, about four years ago. And every Friday I would be down at the uh, Kansas City Public Library going through their special collections, trying to learn more about it. It's turned out to be a lot different than I thought in some ways. And it's been very, very exciting to go through and do this. The other thing was anytime there was an article in the paper or Sports Business Journal, they mentioned the, the, the big firms, the the TVs the uh, populace, the AECOMs, the 360s, but they, they didn't talk about the fact that there are a dozen, maybe two dozen smaller firms in Kansas City and elsewhere that compete in this business. And, I, and they never get recognition. So I've made, it, I've made it a point to try to figure out who all these firms are, talk to as many of the owners as I can. Most are still working in their 60s. They, they can't get away from it any more than I could. And to actually make them a part of the store. Uh, along with these big four firms, and also talk to people in Dallas and New York and L.A. that left Kansas City and started their own things. It's really a truly amazing story, not only locally, but sort of coast to coast. Mm -hmm. So on that note, Tom, I mean, what do you think Kansas City should be doing? I mean, should we be advertising, marketing our sports design leadership more? And if so, how? Like, do we do enough to do this? I know it's not like marketing uh country music in nashville right and austin the tech company. yeah i was out in charlotte this week talking about their their financial uh you know industry they've really marketed that they've got more millennials yeah. than you can believe talent like what what could we be doing could we be doing anything more you know it's a it's a really great question i think jason i think the um I think the business in some ways speaks for itself uh it is so well known to so many uh people that are in this industry, if you're in the know on the ownership side, whether it's an athletic director or campus architect or certainly a professional sports team owner, you're aware of the Kansas City uh, critical mass of architects. And so the business itself does um, it does advertise itself and, it, and it's through great work, both design wise, technical wise. Uh, follow through wise. And it really is something that if you're in the industry, you know that. And, and, and maybe, the, maybe my book will help uh, sort of advertise it in some ways. It is a local story, I feel. I don't really see it as a national story. But I think the quality of the buildings and the quality of the people that have grown, uh, whether you're brand new in the business, working for one of these farms, or you've been doing it for 40 years, and there's many of us that have been doing it for 40-plus years, um, I think it, the business and the quality of the places really – advertises it. Could you take it to a higher level? I know at one point when Kevin Gray was president of the sports uh, commission, he wanted to create an architect, a museum of sports architecture. And I can remember talking to Kevin as did other sports architects. In my opinion, I remember telling Kevin, Kevin, I don't think we could ever get along well enough to, to create something together. And he actually went out and had a non-sports firm sort of develop some ideas. It was going to be, I think in the lower level of, of the, um, municipal auditorium but it never came to fruition it was going to take time and money away from everybody doing what was already a full-time plus job and that is servicing clients and projects 
all over the country. We're all we're all on airplanes all the time. So uh, I think I think the word is out there in a lot of ways. I, I hope that my book helps let Kansas City know what an unbelievable treasure and celebration we have here that has been here for many years and will hopefully stay here for many years, although it's the footprint is bigger now. But I think I just want people to appreciate what's gone on through and it's helped. It's pumped hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into our economy uh, for 50 years now in terms of the, the, the fees for architects and engineers and contractors. Mm-hmm. Tom Wagoneer is with us. Tom, we got a minute left in segment three. Um, talk about juggling all these, these clients at one time. Yeah. Um, how, how many can a real sports architect really handle when they're doing stadium projects? Yeah. So my part, my partners and I, when we own 360 architectures, we were growing it from about 90 people when we put two firms together to 180 within probably about five years. We were limited by the number of projects each of us could handle and a few of our other sort of junior partners. And we always felt six to eight uh, was probably about the number we could do. And you sort of do the math and you say, okay, that's going to be that hundred and whatever people in your firm. And I think it really, that was back then when we had to go everywhere and be at every meeting physically. Uh, so it was, it was very challenging to run a business and, and, and provide good service to our clients. Uh, hopefully not get sued because of technical issues and, and keep it going. And all the while, you know, have families and, and, and have personal lives. So you know, maybe it's going to change. I hope it does change so that the travel goes down for the current generation of, of architects working in the business. Very interesting stuff. You're listening to the Grill Nation show uh, with Jason Grill. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us for our last segment today with Tom Wagoneer, who is a design consultant, a renowned sports architect, writing a great book that will be out here in November, hopefully on the history and all the connections with KC Sports Architecture throughout this country. Uh, Tom, we have our best for last segment here. I want to start with some of the favorite stadiums you, you've been to or worked on in college sports uh, and in the pros. Um, share some of your favorite stadiums. Maybe not that you worked on, but some of just your favorite stadiums across the landscape, uh, either or you worked on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I have great memories. And, and one of the things, there's a great book that came out a few years ago by a writer in New York named Paul Goldberger, who's an architectural critic. And it's called Ballpark. Simply that. It's great. It's a great overview of the history of populace's work because they've designed so many ballparks. And he talks about memories. And I, and I really hadn't thought about that uh, not only the games, but it's the memories you still have. I have great memories of going to the old Bush Stadium with my dad every summer. Uh, our family's originally from Illinois. All my uncles and cousins, all the you know the boys and the dads would all go and, and go to Bush Stadium, and it would you know they'd stop at a tavern on the way that they used to go to is when they grew up in Illinois. And so I have great memories of that place. Uh, I can remember going to see Bob Gibson against uh, Juan Marichal of uh, the. Giants and Willie Mays and Lou Brock. And it's just so that's a great memory for me. Um, obviously, working on places like Notre Dame. Um, I can remember a great game going at, at Matt Court at Oregon before they replaced that with the current Oregon Arena that Phil Knight's, so I guess, named after Phil Knight's son. You know, places like that. Uh, certainly, places like uh, Duke and North Carolina. I've worked at both of those. Um, 
interesting enough, two of two of two great uh, stadiums. It's it, you know it's hard to really pick a place, so you know to not to favor one client or the other. But um, I, I worked on a stadium at Elon University. Uh, Randy Brader and I designed their small football stadium, eight thousand seats, almost twenty years ago. Well, my oldest daughter eventually went to Elon on a scho- uh, college. Uh, soccer scholarship and played there and I got to see her score a goal there that was incredibly exciting to see that uh, maybe 10 years ago she's 31 now and my youngest daughter is an engineer went to K-State and she and I have spent the last two plus years working together on a team uh, at K-State on this new south end zone project which will be dedicated this weekend so you know having those memories of sports uh, with different experiences with my two daughters, my only two children, has just been an incredible sort of fourth chapter, you know, moving into overtime in my career uh, of sports and, 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 and celebrating that with the two of them in, in different ways. What is your uh, best advice, Tom, that, you, that you've learned throughout your journey that has really helped you in your career? I remember early on when I was one of about 10 or 15 people working at LRB Beckett, and we literally were working off of uh, – carpenter built uh, drawing tables down on Southwest Boulevard or Southwest Trafficway in an office building. Uh, one of the leaders of the office had come back from a trip and we would get together, those of us that traveled and tell travel stories because it was a big deal. Part of us were in New York and Boston and Phoenix all working on arena projects. And we'd sit around, you know, somebody to get a case of beer and we'd just tell stories. And I remember one of the leaders saying something I want you guys to hear and hear me now. Don't ever badmouth your competition ever, but certainly don't do it to somebody you don't know. He had been a, had been sort of a rooted out in a ways, and he admitted this that he'd called one of our competing uh, architects a cocktail architect, and he didn't realize he was talking to a client who was close friends. Well, that certainly got back to that architect, and and this leader that we had said, you know, don't ever, don't ever. This, this business is too small. And at the time, it was tiny. <laughs> the business was very tight back then. Uh, it was, in a sense, the big three existed at that point. And that was five years into this competition. And now it's, you know, that part of the whole thing is 40 years deep. And I think, I know I took that to heart then. And it's, uh, it's kind of helped me, in some ways, I think, have access to a lot of architects to talk to about my book and hear their experience. Because, you know, it's not easy to sort of stay on the positive side of this when it's such a competitive business. Everywhere you go, there's somebody from Kansas City that's either interviewed right before you or they're going to follow you in the door. So, yeah, right. it's, it's a small business. That's true. You've traveled all over the United States. You've been in a lot of these different places. Why, why, uh, why do you love Kansas City and what's your favorite thing about it? Well, you know, it's uh, one, it's... Uh, this business is all here. It's centrally located, which in a lot of ways you think can make it easy to travel. I think with our new airport, it will make it easier to be able to do that. You know, it's been fun for me um, having, uh, you know, growing up in Wichita and I knew in college uh, I wanted to live in Kansas City because I got exposed to it through some uh, projects, some fictitious design studio projects. And it was just, wow, this is a big city. This is fun. They have pro sports. And it's been really fun now for 40 years to see the city evolve, uh, especially the downtown area, without a doubt, and the crossroads. And it's been fun to uh, sort of see it through the eyes of my two daughters who both live here. And they, you know, they went away to college, they came back. And it's fun to experience it with them uh, and, and their spouses, their, their husbands, uh, in a different light to sort of see what, what it is they, they like about it and see if uh, my wife and I are cool enough to 
sort of hang with them as they as they experience it. I want to ask you another question on that note of, of one thing you'd like to see us do or have that we don't currently have here in Kansas City. Uh, well, I think it, you know, what's been interesting, uh, this, exp and I, I don't think I understood the explosion of major league soccer stadiums until I started doing some by the numbers as a part of my book and looking at the unbelievable number of soccer stadiums that have happened. I remember going out to home Depot, um, home Depot center when it was, uh, the first, well, it's sort of the second soccer stadium Columbus crew, I think was the first, but going out and seeing a big league soccer stadium, almost 27, 28,000. It's like, Wow. This is really incredible to see a stadium this small that is so intimate and so active, you know, a big game for the galaxy. Um, but to see the explosion of those sort of stadiums now with women's soccer, uh, you know, I, I hope that the, the, the team, the, the women's uh, professional team can eventually have their own venue. Uh, probably at a different scale, you know, I think it's the United Soccer League uh, has opened a series of uh, to the men's teams, but they're not the MLS, but they're, they're, they're in a, a little lower division with hopes of getting to, to be at the MLS, whether it's teams or cities. And those cities are building, those teams are building their own stadiums uh, now. And that's exciting to see that. And that's, that's sort of the missing piece for us here in town now with a, another professional sports team. That's true. I can't imagine going to sporting events uh, with you because you just notice everything. I would imagine. Well, point. I don't pay attention. That's the funny <laughs> part. Is my I think most architects would say this, whether it's their building or somebody else's. Uh, it, it's hard to kind of focus on the game because there's so many things to see and so many things to watch in terms of fan reaction. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Um, we got a minute left, Tom. What really excites you about the future of uh, of sports architecture and stadiums moving forward? <laughs> Well, I think it's really exciting. Uh, I haven't personally, I've done a little bit of research for uh, the master planning work I've done at K uh, Kansas State, looking at some of their facilities, is the esports that's emerging. Uh, both Populous and HOK here in town have been involved in not only uh, adjusting arenas, uh, existing arenas, or even planning for uh, in new arenas, but also there's, you know, there's small buildings being designed and built specifically to this and it creates a whole new type of you know quote unquote competitor uh, less on the athletic side more on the intellectual side and the uh, the growth of that is just unbelievable if you read about it and it's a worldwide footprint that can anybody can watch and participate I assume bet on these things compete and win money uh, just about anywhere uh, from home or sitting inside a small venue as a, as a fan. Tom Wagoneer, great renowned sports architect here living in Kansas City. Uh, been around the business for quite some time. He's coming out with a new book, and it's going to be out in November. Um, just a fascinating guest here on Grill Nation show. Very lucky to have him on the show. Excited to kind of uh, to stay in touch, Tom, and congrats on all your success and everything you've, you've built over the last 30 to 35 years. Thanks so much, Jason. I really appreciate getting to know you and uh, being on your show today. Appreciate it. Thank you to the listeners for joining us today on the Grill Nation show. We will see you again next week. Take care and have a great day.